Welcome to the Other Stories podcast ser- series. Till February 7, 2022, Istanbul Bilgi University is hosting the exhibition titled The Other Stories to address the phenomenon of migration through its various dimensions in Istanbul. With this collaborative art project, organized by Bilgi Center for Migration Research in collaboration with different institutions that are active in the fields of migration and art. We have invited 50 artists from Turkey and abroad for their valuable contributions for an art exhibition on multidimensional and implicated nature of human stories revolving around human mobility and possibilities of living together. This interview is under the second theme of the Other Stories podcast series, where we focus on good practices and lessons learned relating to art and integration of immigrants globally with NGO professionals, artists, and scholars. Today, our guest is Dr. Toiva Afolabi. Dr. Toiva Afolabi holds the Canada Research Chair in Socially Engaged Theatre. He is the Director of Center for Socially Engaged Theatre and an Assistant Professor at the University of Regina. He is an artist, qualitative researcher, theatre manager, applied theater practitioner and educator with a decade of experience working across a variety of creative and community contexts. He is a senior research associate at the University of Johannesburg and the founding artistic director of Theater Emissary International. Dr. Toival Afolabi says that with his theater organization, he has had the opportunity to create meaningful dialogues to direct and perform stage plays and to facilitate drama workshops with refugees and immigrants of different nationalities across diverse age groups to explore issues around identity, diversity, and inclusion. Welcome, Taiwo. Thank you for joining us. I would like to start with my first question. Can you tell us more about your research on how performing arts can enhance dialogue between different cultures? Well, thank you so much, uh, Guli. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I'll just speak a little bit about my research and then do use that as a springboard to talk about how this research or the potentials uh, in, in, in the research um, to create opportunity for dialogue and, and spaces to have this conversation. Uh, the research I want to focus on um, specifically is around theater and immigration and how theater, uh, you know, how I'm using theater to um, engage uh, issues around identity, diversity, uh, multiculturalism, and really things around that and what does that really mean. Uh, before, but before I really go into that, I'd like to just speak a little bit about my own my background. I, I am originally from Nigeria, uh, and and it, moving from one place to another has always been a part of my own life. Um, I was born in southwest part of Nigeria. Nigeria is in West Africa. Um, uh, it's I think I think I said now Nigeria is the most um, um, a populous country in the whole of the continent. And I was born in Southwest, but then I did my undergrad at the University of Jos, which is in North Central. And then I went to do my National NYC, National Youth Service Corps, in the uh, in the eastern part of the country. And then I did my master's in um, the North Central. And then I have my theater company, Theater Chemistry International, in the Southeast. 
uh, sorry, Southwest, and then still within the same country. And of course, because of my work, it took me around different part of the world. And then I, I did my PhD in uh, University of Victoria in Canada, which is in British Columbia, Western Canada. And then I'm an assistant professor in, uh, uh, in at the University of Regina, which is in, it's part of uh, Saskatchewan, which is part of the Canadian prairies. You can see the movement for me from one place to another, both from a local and a global. And I think for me, that's actually some of those ideas that really spoil my work that I want to talk about. Um, in the past few years, and specifically even in terms of my PhD, what I worked on was really engaging theater with multiple persons whose life have been characterized by movement from one place to another. Uh, and, and some of them, we call them, you know, immigrant refugees because some are forcefully displaced. And so they, they voluntarily, they, they didn't have a choice, but they, they had to move, you know, leave their country involuntarily. Some like me, I came here, you know, I travel for work or study and all of that. It's a voluntary move. All right. So I, I use theater to then engage. Now, if you move to a place or you're moving to a place or you're in a place, what are those things that we need to start thinking about? And that's how the idea of belonging, becoming and um, and, and, and and really, really come to be. And really, the critical question is that how what does it mean to belong when you get to a new place? Do you even belong? Do you even when you arrive, do you belong? If you belong, do you, what does it mean to become? Because <laughs> those are different things, right? And then with the, within the context of Canada, right? Where, you know, Canadian, you know, uh, uh, prides itself as an immigrant country with a lot of opportunities for immigrants, obviously, and a lot of government interventions and citizens' intervention to sponsor, to help immigrants and all of that. Really critical to all of that endeavor is when we bring people here, what are the salient things we need to start talking about, especially in terms of integration and things like that. And that was really how it all started. The use of theater for me, why that's really critical, which can then move me over to really to the second part of the question is that, you know, I started thinking how, you know, working with different um, um, organizations, creating a space where we can start having this dialogue. One thing I love about the theater is its ability, its power to create, uh, to help us create empathy, right? Because I think empathy is very critical. If I have the opportunity to have a glimpse of your experience, not necessarily experiencing that with you, but even for just a second or a minute, I, I just am able to, to, to use my imagination to have an idea of what you are going through, even from a distance, maybe it might make our work, you know, our world a better place. That's what I think. And so the, the power of theater, um, its potential rather, to help us to build empathy, one, also to give us opportunity to start thinking, you know, creatively and critically, to start challenging realities. Why, why, why do we have to always talk about identity? Why do we have to, when I get to a new place in the context of what I'm talking about now, you know, why, you know, what are those things that I'm experiencing and in what ways can I say them in a way that, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm challenging anybody or, but I'm able to create that space to have that conversation. And I think that's where theater came came to be. So two projects that I'm going to be talking about um, 
in in this podcast. One happened in Victoria from 2017 to 2019, and the second one is happening currently that I'm working on in Regina here in Saskatchewan. And both of them really focus on engaging theater to talk about all of these issues around anti-racism, racism, race relation, identity, you know, belonging, becoming, all of those critical things that are important to to helping us as immigrants to in a new place where we find ourselves. I'll hand over to you now to the next question. Uh, thanks so much, Billy. Sure, thank you so much. Because like uh, you put forward really great questions about belonging, identity, and like how uh, this process works really. And uh, performance arts uh, and your experiences tell us that actually, uh, you know, the identity maybe is not a, very like you know starting point but maybe we have to focus on performance encounters interactions and the very process of becoming and uh one in one of your articles you put emphasis on uh this question so what does it mean to be welcomed and integrated into a society and uh, as you just said uh you know this question might be answered through focusing on everyday encounters between citizens of a country and refugees or immigrants, which can create or destroy a sense of belonging. So daily encounters actually important, but like the very effects of these daily encounters can uh, have uh, both negative or positive effects on this becoming process, right? So. Uh, in your study, in the context of Canada, you use caveats of accents and naming and the name, different names of immigrants to investigate discriminatory encounters uh, through uh, theater plays. So my question is, like, you know, this, this uh, different sounding immigrant names, different uh, accents of immigrants might play a very important uh, role uh, in these daily encounters, especially in Canada. But um, what about race, gender, religion? Like what about all these other um, identifiers of uh, being an immigrant? And how would they play a role in discrimination and etc.? Thank you so much. That's a very powerful question. Um, Something that I love about storytelling, uh, the kind of work that I do, it's called applied theater. That means that I go into community or they invite me and then we work together, um, create stories and I device with them. We exchange ideas to build and all of that and to create the performance at the end of the day. One thing I love about story is that it's so, depending on how it's created, how it's carved out and all that, it has so much power, one, to to reveal to us um, what someone is thinking, to put in your reflection. It help, can help us to make, to make meaning. Now, in, in the stories and the work that we do um, and, and in the work that I've, that I've, that I've been doing, um, one of the reasons why I started using the, what sounds like the basic name is that it's actually an identifier of other things. When you tell somebody, what's your name? <laughs> That's a loaded question. And I remember in one of the, one of the exercises and the, and, 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 and the workshop that I did, um, both in Victoria, in the Onion Theatre Project, and in, in Regina here, the Caribou Project, 
Um, I, I ask people, what's your name? What's the meaning of your name? What's the story behind your name? What's the story behind your birth name? You see, once people start unpacking those stories, issues of race come into place. Question of gender, of religion, they start talking about it. I'll give you an instance. Um, in the recent project that I'm working on um, with African immigrants in Regina, uh, one of them um, did tell me a very interesting story about their name and when they were telling me the meaning of their name. And um, they, 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 they were from a particular country, you know, on the continent of Africa. And then and we were asking them what's their name. And they, and, and they, they posted like, oh, interesting. I've never asked my parents what's my name. You know, is and so what the meaning of my name rather. So they went back home and they asked their parents and they got back and they told us the meaning of their name in English, what that means to us in English. Uh, and then right there, the idea of religion or what some of them would call their faith came out to be. And that's because a lot of immigrants, especially from from the you know the, the the global south, a lot of the meaning of their name, uh, things around race, thing, things around gender and religion are actually embedded in it. And so when we start unpacking that, we start talking about bigger things. So why I started from identifier like name is that. It's a way to open up the conversation to bigger things around race. And then an example is that uh, when, when somebody tells me what their name is and they tell me, by the way, nobody actually knows how to pronounce my name here. Hmm, that's interesting because then we start unpacking that. And then they'll start telling you, well, I met this person and this is how they pronounce my name. And then I had to tell them this is what my name is, this is how to pronounce it, you know, and all of that. And I'll give you an, a, another example. We did a performance in Victoria uh, in 2017. Um, um, the first edition of in in the title of the performance is in it in 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 the full step of immigrants. Um, um, and then I remember this professor was part of the uh, came as an audience. Um, and and after the show, he walked up to me and he said, uh, "Do you know that um, for 15 years, you know, teaching here at the university, I've never I didn't know why a lot of my Asian, particularly a lot of my Chinese um, and Japanese students and Korean students, had to look for an English name. Uh, and 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 the reason was because in that piece we reflected on why many of us, many immigrants, have to change their name or adapt it in a way. Now that question, you just just from bringing out just from name, we started looking at the discrimination around how we pronounce name. We started, we started digging down into race, into racism, into gender, into religion. I think for me, it's sort of like a, way, a subtle way of going to those bigger conversations. And that's because, and this is my opinion, I believe that to some, to some certain extent, our world can be very aggressive. And, and I, I know that, well, aggression can have its place, but I believe that when we want to get something constructive done, it's not all the time we have to be aggressive about it. So... I want to find a way to get to the bigger conversation by starting with this thing that even look very mundane. And then from there, we walk our way to those big things. And that's what we've been able to do, at least in my opinion, in, in my work. Uh, thank you. Because uh, the fact that many Asian uh, ba uh, background immigrants changing their names in Canada uh, to maybe adapt or have easier time to find a job uh, is actually kind of uh, 
resembles uh, what's happening in Turkey as well. Uh, recently, many of my Syrian students at university are getting their Turkish citizenship. And they're also changing their names to a more Turkish sounding names. And when I asked why they are doing it, because they said that like once I change my name, uh, people won't actually like notice me or identify me as Syrian anymore. So I will become a member of Turkish society finally. So names are very important, but like putting immigrants into a place where they have to change their names, which is actually a very essential part of their identity is also very discriminatory and can scar our souls, might cause suffering. And even we can even uh, title this as injustice. So by these, like, through this play, I am guessing that you are not only showing how and why people are doing what they are doing, even they are changing their names. So they are sacrificing a lot to integrate into the society without even the host members, co-nationals, are not noticing it. Because, you know, what they are doing, changing their names in, our, in order not to get noticed. So there are these all these like very complicated, sophisticated, uh, discriminatory structures in place. Uh, and maybe like great way of dealing this issue is not just saying it or like being aggressive about it, but really playing it out in a exactly. uh, stage and uh, doing whatever it is to make people realize what's really happening here. Uh, absolutely. And if I may just add just, just something quick is that everything you said, it's on point. Because with that idea of name, I just find it effective that we start unpacking those things. From somebody that submitted a CV and because their name was long, they didn't call them back. But that the moment they shut in their name or change it somewhere, they sent it, they got a feedback, they called them back. Like those are those are bigger things that, you know, from just the idea of name, and that's why I always start, like each time I start, uh, do I start with a team or with a new community around issues like this, I always start with that because then we're using that as a way to speak back to all of those bigger things. Why are we not noticing? Why is it that each time, you know, an immigrant gets to a place or, you know, you know, uh, especially when they're not from that part of the, of the world, they are not noticed? Or why do they have to change their names? Or why is that? There's always, we know that they need to adapt. Yes, we understand. But then this is a big part of them. And the other thing I try to now do is that I try to invite policymakers into what I'm trying to do. So a lot of the... The, the, the presentation in, uh, in Victoria, each time in 2017, 2018, that we presented that, we had to take it to, we decided, we intentionally took it to the city hall. We intentionally invited, because at the end of the day, you know, this, perhaps this can have policy ramification. You know, we, we, we took it to the university, we took it to secondary school, or co you know, uh, you know uh, college, we took it to the community, we, you know, all over the place like that, so that we can start creating that awareness in a way that is very compelling, but not in a way that we're pushing it right in front of you. But really, I wanted to see my piece, and that's what I try to do, that when I'm gone, you start thinking, that's interesting. You start making meaning, you know, you start making connection to your next neighbor 
who who is you know not necessarily from you or from here but they they had to you know you start okay wow what what kind of experience are they passing through what's the implication of my response to them or what's the implication of their own response to me too because i think it's a two-way thing as much as we the conversation now in this podcast is around immigrant immigrants and, and 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 all of that we're also looking at what's the relationship right you know, the race relationship between immigrants and non-immigrant settlers in the context of here in Canada or even indigenous communities. You know, in one of the, in, in 2019, when we started we're putting, putting this together, we also, you know, I had to work with some indigenous youths to be part of that. Because for me, it's also important to start bringing that into the conversation. It's that we're all here now, all right? Whether, whether we want it or not, whether it's voluntary or not, we're all here now. And then how do we start existing together knowing one another and then knowing our differences that bring that can strengthen us the potential of all of that and then bringing that to reality as we start with that idea of what is your name what does it mean where does it come from what is story behind your name what is there any child is there any story behind your childbirth where were you born you know who were with you and and people start talking about interesting thing about their family about their roots uh, and their route i think in one of my articles i i talked about that about root and route uh, and how all of that become you know be, help them in the process of becoming if they will become and the process of belonging and all of that excellent so i think uh, one of your other focus is Excellent, right? So, and uh, from my experience in Canada, I know for a fact that uh, even immigrants, uh, when they change their names, can get caught, right? <laughs> Due to their accent, because like, um, uh, and there's something uh, that you are not easily uh, can, you, you cannot easily uh, run away from, even though like, you know, you are a conflict, a candidate for complete assimilation, your accent will not go away pretty easily, whatever you do. Uh, so uh, another focus was accent. So can you like give us another uh, example from how you play with the accents and um, how the how was the reaction? This is great because um, I I love I love I love um, the opportunity to 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 really dive into this so um the first thing first is that i think it's one of the things i always say in my with the group i'm working with is that um we need to start thinking about things differently all right so an example you know when we before we started this i googled you you know online and i i mistakenly googled the wrong person because perhaps you shared the same name and all of that and I and I and each time I meet you know people that perhaps English is not their first language, the first thing they tell me is, "Oh, I'm sorry, I don't speak English." I'm like, "You need to stop that because if I can't speak your language the way you're speaking English right now, oh my goodness, that's a plus." Our accent, as much as as hard as we may try, many times it's not going to go away. But we need to start thinking about accent as asset. All right. It's it's uh, when I mean asset, I mean it's part of something that you have as a strength rather than as a minus. I think we're thinking about accent as a minus, as a defect, which is the it, it, again that's the power of having this kind of dialogue using an expression 
a means where we can, you know, in, in, there's a scene in my work um, in, in the community, because it's not my work and the community work that I'm talking about, that, you know, there was no words at all. And I said, and really what's for that was, I, you know, some of my collaborators, you know, participants, I, I tasked them and I said, I give them a prompt. I said, what if we want to talk about, in that particular scene, we're talking about the idea of privilege which again came out of the idea of name, you know, how some names give you access and some do not give you access, how the passport that you have, your citizenship and your nationality and things like that. And we said, I told them, what if we want to talk about this without using a word at all? And then we task ourselves with mime and all of that. And so uh, there there was this story that was told of me by one of the participants. They were in the, you know, at the bus station waiting for, you know, um, the the boss and all of that. And then, um, you know, somebody came and said, hey, how you doing? You know, and they started a conversation and they said, um, uh, where are you from? Um, no, they started from the question, oh, are you a citizen? What citizen of country are you from? Um, are you? And they said, well, I'm a Canadian. And they're like, oh, but you don't, you don't sound like one. And and the person was like, well, um I don't sound like one, but I'm actually from here. Uh, And then obviously they came from Israel a long time ago and all of that. And the the person said, well, I realized that no matter how long I stay here, I'm not going to sound like here. But my children who are born here because they were born here and all of that, they sound like here. And so when when we change our perspective, about how we interpret or we consider accent, I think it, it brings us to a different level. It's that we start understanding. I mean, I, I'm not saying that accent, there are times that accents, accents stand in our way of being understood, of being understood, understood. So that means that we have to work on it uh, and all that. But at the same time, that's the same way it is with other people. I mean, if I say British person, that, you know, a core thick British accent can be hard to understand. A core Australian accent can be hard to understand. That's the reality. But then because they are British or because that person is an Australian, then that means that doesn't, we don't look at that accent negatively. We look at it like, oh yeah, that's a, oh, that, that's a cute accent. No, it's, it's as valid as my accent as a Yoruba person or as a Syrian or as a, you know, whatever, um, wherever, whatever and wherever I'm coming from. So I think we need to shift again. It goes back to how we have been, how we have been ordered. It's like, as long as you are coming from this part of the world, from this place, anything about you is <laughs> we have to check it. It's not, it's not, it's not up to the standard. So those are the deeper things that we're talking about. That at the end of the day, we have to rethink our idea of accent. How we look at it, rather than a minus, we have to start looking at it as it's a part of me. I need to master it well that even when I'm using it, that you can understand me. But that doesn't make me less a human being. That doesn't make me less a person. Uh, great points again. Uh, one last question about this uh, study. Uh, in the footsteps of immigrants, the play uh, that you put on in Victoria, I guess, uh, you also try to show how actually immigrants are contributing to the economy. So, like, you know, the whole society might obsess about the accent, how different they are. Like where they are coming from, the names, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Actually, immigrants are doing great things for their country. Maybe and they're going unnoticed. So, like you are not only <laughs> uh, uh, combining these like stereotypes about accent and names, but also like uh, trying to remind 
uh, the audience about something about immigrants, like very essential thing, which is always or, or, like goes unnoticed, right? So can you tell us <laughs> how you do that, like uh, that part in the play? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think that uh, where the idea of stereotype is only based on it's we, we don't think about it within the from the context of economy um and so we always talk about every other thing but we don't think that we don't we don't remind ourselves more enough to know that immigrants contribute eff- effectively excuse me they contribute seriously they contribute to their wherever they find themselves and that is important for us to always consider. So in all of my projects, both in Regina here right now, and of course in Victoria and in other places, I, I always bring the question of economy to the fore because each person that, we're, that I'm working with is either they are working somewhere else or they are studying or they are, you know, whatever that they are doing. And ultimately, ultimately, whether they are, contributing to the economy now or in the future, they are part of the ecosystem. But then when we speak about immigrant on the overall, we need to, you know, the, the culture, the policy, the everything with, with, within the system, we need to start understanding that they are not beggars. They're where they are contributing meaningfully. All right. They pay tax. All right. They, 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 they are going to work every day. They are cleaners. They are, they are doctors. They are engineers. They are professors. They are, you know, whatever it is. And they are contributing to it. That's number one. Number two also is that we have to also understand is that all of these countries, you know, from Canada to South Africa, uh, sorry, to the U.S. and other countries that are taking, you know, immigrants and refugees and all of that. They have gate. They have ways. They have gateway system, right? They have gateways. They have borders, and by me, borders that they have checkpoints. The visa process, you know, the application process. So the people they are bringing in, they want to ensure that they are bringing people that are capable, <laughs> people that are that can really contribute to the economy, people that can contribute to the advancement of their overarching mandate. So at the end of the day, they are trying to bring, as somebody would say the best of the best brains into the economy. So if you're trying, and they have a gateway, they have a system to make that happen. That's why we have to write English exams. We have to ensure that, you know, for example, in Canada, West will evaluate your work. We have to, you, they'll evaluate your certificate, you know, in, in you know, another part of the, of the world, in Australia, there, you know, they have to do ILTS and different things like that. They also have to ensure that your work, you know, letter of recommendation, there is so much paperwork just to ensure that everything is checked. When people like that now come here, you're not thinking less of them? I think something is we need to check that system. So in the play, we address things like that. Is that, you know, I remember in one of the one of the episodes, I come in and I say, hey, by the way, this is who I am. But let me tell you, you know, what I have done over the years. Uh, you know, another person came out, you know, from 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 another in that piece, and they told us about 
you know, the ordeal that they've passed through to be here. They've told us the places they've, they've worked at. They've told us the kind of certificate that they've, they've received. They told us so many things. And then they didn't stop at that. And then they made us understand what that means to any company that hire me or where I'm working right now. So, you see, it's, it's very interesting. That's why I love that we now move into all these deeper conversations. I think even in one of those uh, one of those skits, we actually showed statistics. Or, and I think in one of, in my writings also, I try to actually talk about that too, is that while we talk about language and all of these stereotypes, we need to bring that into the economy of things. Because research has shown that, you know, the, 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 the importance and the power and, and the, and the um, I'm sure of, I'm looking for the word now, you know, the role that, um, you know, having, you know, diversity, inclusion, you know, specifically having immigrants in your company, you know, it's effect. So those are the bigger things that we talk about. Like I said, we start from that very basic thing of around name. And then from then we move on. You know, each kit, you know, I do a lot of kits and we bring them together, tries to address different thematics from economy to identity to stereotypes to this, to this, to this, to, you know, different things that we identify as a group. But I do agree uh, that, uh, I do agree, Goli, that interestingly, these are very important conversations that we need to continue to have. And then the more we keep having it and we bring policy makers into the room, we bring other people from different sectors into the room, we start changing our perspective around perspective around some of these things, hopefully. And that's what I tried, I aim to do in, in a lot of my work. Uh, thanks, Taiwo. Actually, you, uh, you are many things, but also an academic, a researcher. Uh, you uh, do not only uh, organize, design these events uh, and performance arts, but also make research on these. So, um, my next question is, um, you know, when you uh, academically study the effects of uh, these kind of plays, uh, do you, like, um, what are the findings? Like, you know, can arts really uh, affect our or change our perspectives on the other? And, um, you know, what are the lessons learned? How, how can we improve the projects like these? Uh, so very general observations, maybe. No, absolutely. And, and one, of the, one of the research theme in, in my research center, Center for Social Engaged Theater, uh, is really to look at theater and immigration, continually mapping out and exploring and engaging, investigating existing projects. Uh, and yes, um, I can categorically say that theater has the potential, has the capacity uh, at, you know, has the capacity to help us rethink our ideas. So a lot of the findings um, in many of the projects uh, in, in Australia, in the UK, uh, in, in, even in Canada, um, and that I've been written about, um, and then particularly within the context of applied theater, which is my field, uh, and of course looking into music and other 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 kind of discipline like that, um, is the one is that the 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 art in itself is innate to us as human beings, and because it's innate to us, the need to express ourselves rather is innate to us, and so using. An express an expressive um, tool like art um, cre can create that opportunity for us to engage with one another. Why statistics is great? It's not everybody that can connect to statistics. 
But play music, all right? <laughs> Just play music. You see that there is something about it that it can actually help us do, right? That we connect to. So that's number one. Number two is that because it's a meaning-making process, right? It can help us to make meanings beyond just our own. What that means is that it has the capacity to broaden our horizon. The example that I gave of a professor who has been working for over 15 years in a university and did not even know why people changed their name. That's an example. And, and that realization, that what is called that epiphany, all right, that aha moment many times happens to the earth. And then you, you and I know that I cannot change you. As much as, as much as I try or I can try, I can't change anyone. But when people start seeing things and interpreting it, connecting it, it's very helpful. Number three is the power of storytelling. Is that as human beings, as, as our existence, um, as our world, we're story people, we're storytellers. And so when we start telling stories about our experiences, about other people's experiences, it can help us to start building empathy. I, I started by that, talking about empathy. And of course, beyond that is then bringing statistics in to see from an economic standpoint, research has shown us that, uh, and a lot of research centers have done things around entrepreneurship and economy, how you know, many immigrants are very entrepreneur in, their, in what they are doing. Is that even a lot of immigrants actually go extra mile because the system would want them to prove themselves anyways. <laughs> they have to go extra mile that, uh, you know what, I can do it. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. I know I'm coming from this kind of place, but I, I want to show myself. Research has shown over and over that, you know, immigrants and, you know, people, you know, we, we go extra mile, you know, while others that are here, they are settled, they are calm. We go like even 10 times more, you know, in one of the, in, in, in one of the, in the, uh, the, the community that, uh, members, uh, participants that worked with me in Victoria, I remember, you know, an, a refugee from Turkey, actually. And of course, you know, and if I left Victoria, I, I ran into him and he did tell me during that time that. He was um, going to, you know, he started his uh, a law program, a law degree in Turkey. And of course, he had to move because of all, everything and all that. And then, you know, I think two years later, I ran into him before I left Victoria. And he was telling me how he started the program. Uh, I think he was in his second year. That, and I'm like, wow. And it was like, it's a lot of work, but I have to prove that I can do this. Research has shown that. So there are a lot of things in the findings like that, not just the work that I've done, that I've done that many research centers, many scholars, practitioners that have they've done over the years to show that indeed, you know, art can be helpful in thinking about this. And I think policymakers are beginning to get it gradually. They're beginning to create programs and ideas and initiatives, right? So I, I give an example, and this is not me flagging any, any organization. Nobody's paying me to do this. It's just part of what I've been in my own research. There's what is called, you know, the Canadian Department of Heritage, you know, um, uh, there's also Canadian um, uh, race, I think, race relation foundation, um, and 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 of course, you know, different other organizations like that, and you know, within the Canadian, you know, you know, uh, system, obviously, that are launching programs specifically, you know, for you know, for community projects that are using arts, you know, that are using, you know, artistic form of expression to explore some of these things. So I think, and even I'm talking from the municipal to the provincial to the federal level. So I think, in my opinion, that they are, they are beginning to listen 
you know, gradually, gradually. It might take us a while to get there because we always have the question around evaluation, which is always a big thing, question around, you know, monitoring and evaluation. You have assessment and all of that. And I always say that, well, how can you, how can you evaluate a critical consciousness? How can you evaluate, uh, you know, a, a knowledge that some, you know, and things like that because it's very effective and all that. While we grapple with all of that, those are, those are questions we're still grappling with. I think they're beginning to get it. And I think the more we go about it, you know, different centers are working on different projects. There are a lot of articles and publications all over the place. Um, and, there, and that's why even for me as a researcher, I try as much as possible in my own writing to actually to actually expose all, to bring all of that out and say, hey, this is research happening, both from a theoretical and a practical way. I also find a way to write my work in a way that is not, you know, over, over academic, you know, in a way that people will understand. You know, I use other avenues to push the work out there from the, you know, from the artistic perspective, performance to, you know, podcast to, you know, different things like that so that we can have multiple ways where we can push it out. But I think that existing projects and, you know, findings and work have shown us that yes indeed art can help us in doing some of these things and we're not saying it's going to change everything overnight <laughs> obviously but the little changes like one of our scholars in applied i would say the little changes um will be very very uh, will help us together and that's what we need it's kind of a social change where we can basically all learn to live together That's what we need, and I, it's great to hear that there's scientific research proving art changes uh, things, and uh, I'll definitely use that in my uh, project uh, writing as well. Um, you uh, mentioned storytelling and the power of storytelling, and one of the objectives of this podcast is like getting our interviewees to tell us a story. So I wanted to end with that, like. Uh, Taigo, can you tell us a story about your experience, your encounter, your observation on social change, uh, immigration, and art? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I'm just rocking my head. Which of the stories am I going to tell? Because I also in my writing, I try to just tell a story and put it there for people to read it. Um, I, I so I, I worked with these uh, with these um, part of the participants, um, the group, the team that worked together in the first um, uh, the first um, iteration of in, in the first step. Um, um, their father came, you know, from Israel, and um, and I and a lot of the stories that we used um, in that particular you know version. Uh, their father, when when they heard that we're doing this um, project. He said he was going to give us his story for us to use it, and and so we so he he and he was like he would love to talk to me. So, um, so we got him on phone, and he was you know was doing something else close to where we we're rehearsing, and we saw him far away, and he was telling me how, you know, the 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 stories that he's held onto for years, and how he wanted to go, how he wanted it to be out, you know, because he wanted people to hear about the story. But I'd like to talk my out. I'd like to just speak about my own story. Um, and that story, rather, rather just speak to me, what me as a researcher and as a participant and collaborator and artist end up getting out of this. It's like about changing of me as a person. <laughs> and I think that's, uh, that's the note I wanted to end on. That as much as I'm outward looking, working with people and this and all of that, that it always boils down to how I'm being transformed internally. 
as a person to be someone that listens. I was working with a particular group some couple of years ago, and then there was this particular story that was told of me that as a director, I was thinking, how can I morph this in an aesthetic, in an aesthetic way and all of that? And then, you know, I started thinking because it's a story that is not, I'm not familiar with. It's a culture specific story, right? And so uh, I picked this story and I started wanting to turn things around and all of that. And then one of the person said, no, wait, no, I don't want that story like that. And I said, why? But, you know, let's go, you know, and they were like, no. And then they sat me down and then told me the genesis of the meaning of that particular name, where it's coming from, why they think they need to retain it, that they don't want to change it for anything at all. And then I left that scene thinking of two things. One is that it's the ethics of what I'm doing, which is something that I write on in my work also. The ethics of what I'm doing help me to just think about what I'm doing, rethinking, reflecting, and all that. But then beyond that is that I started putting myself in the shoe that, wait, what, this is what happens to immigrants really many times when we try to change them. We try to morph them to the idea of what we want them to be or what we think they should be. And so I started also, that also helped me to start being mindful of my language, being mindful of the aesthetics, in the name of aesthetics of my work, being mindful of how I make, you know, how I create. So that at the end of the day, it's not what I'm trying to talk about and, and try to, you know, social justice and what I'm trying to advocate for and create space to have a conversation about i don't replicate it again that's a story that really transformed me to be honest um in my own work um and i just wanted to pull that you know as we bring this to an end is that that story then helped me to start thinking about what i am doing why i'm doing it how i'm doing it and how i'm learning and becoming in that process um and 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 really really uh, and I and I like to always and I like to end on this note. Um, it's something that is really dear to me when each time I'm talking about this. Um, it's it's a quote that that I kind of pulled out um, in my own work uh, with my readings and and things like that. Uh, and I, I just I, and I would like to and I would like to to end on that note. Um, uh, that really here is my hope. Really, here is my hope. And this is what drives what I'm doing. Uh, personally, as a scholar and all that, and of course, even in the center, is that, is that emotions might move us to social action, that empathy might challenge us and enhance our critical thinking capacity so that we can all beckon to a future characterized by equity. So thank you so much, Taiwo. Uh, great lessons. And without uh, these kind of encounters, interactions, uh, there's no way for us to learn these lessons about identities, about uh, our stereotypes and uh, how to change our uh, meanings uh, and categories in our mind. So thank you so much uh, for this great conversation. Uh, we came to the end of one of, uh, one of our podcast and uh, we will see you next time. Thanks. Thank you so much.